This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that we'll get a season 3? This is unlike me, but I actually think like an 8. Oh my god, I'm like a 9.8. I Whoa. feel very confident, I know. <laughs> I am not quite there, <laughs> but I love it. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ojai, right outside of LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to talk about wrapping season two of Fantasy Island. Yay! (laughs) Then we have two mailroom questions, one about how we approach being career-oriented moms and one about how to give great notes. Then in Hits and Bombs, Liz gives hits to some new TV shows, and I have a bomb that made me very grumpy at the happiest place on earth. Finally, this week's Hollywood hack will make your hours of standing on set, or really anywhere, easier on your feet. But first, we have a couple of updates, Sarah. Um, This came from our listener, Elaine. She said, hi, Sarah and Liz. In episode 262, you asked for lingo from other fields. Here's one from the therapy field. A, quote, doorknob confession is something big that a client will mention as they are leaving the therapy room. After an hour of talking about other stuff, they might casually reveal on the way out that, oh, by the way, they're going to ask their partner for a divorce. Or that, oh, they've been having an affair for the last six (laughs) months. They drop this on their way out, leaving the therapist holding this piece of information until the next session. Perhaps it's a way to just get it off their chest without having to really talk about it quite yet. But as a therapist, this has happened to me numerous times, and most therapists will know what you're talking about if you say, well, that session ended with a doorknob confession. Now, with a lot of therapy sessions being held online, we may need to come up with a new phrase that describes a big confession right before someone signs off the video call. So this is, I mean, as soon as she said doorknob confession, it's like, okay, that says it all, right? Yes. Well, in one, I was like, okay, that should be a TV show. (laughs) Yes. That's a good TV show name. (laughs) Totally. So I don't know what it would be if you're getting off Zoom, like... A click confession? Yeah, click confession, (laughs) something like that. Um, So thank you, Elaine, for that. And keep these coming. We love this work lingo. It's just because also I feel like we can use it in other areas of life. Absolutely. They're so fun. And then, Sarah, I wanted to send out a big thanks to Jessica from Power of My People, which is a Canadian clothing company 
She heard on the podcast that I have been searching for collared shirts because I do Happier with Gretchen Rubin. We do on video. And uh, Allison, you know, our costume designer from The Fix, Allison Fanger, said collared shirts are best to wear on Zoom. And so anyway, Jessica sent me two button downs and they're great. And I wore um, a navy linen one she sent to Jack's Spring Festival concert. Nice. And I got several compliments. So. This is not an ad. I just wanted to say thank you, and those shirts are working out great. Nice. And then we have a reminder. We want to remind everyone to read Happy Campers by Audrey Monkey. You can read it in print, or you can listen to the audiobook. Liz, I was saying the other day, I like listening to it because... For some reason, Audrey's voice doesn't make me tune out. Like, mm. I really listen. Mm. Um, so the information really sinks in. And you should get it and read slash listen to it because we are having our first Facebook Live book club with Audrey this Sunday, June 26th at 2 p.m. Pacific time. So if you haven't already, join our Facebook group and save the date and time. Yes. And um, we did a test run, Sarah, so we know <laughs> that we um, we figured out the technology. Thank God. It was, it was a, a little touch and run. go. Yes. Yeah. Okay, let's dive into From the Treadmill Desk Sub, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. This week, it is wrapping season two of Fantasy Island. We have finished production, although we are still in post-production, we should mention. Yes. Yeah, it's so, like, it feels stranger than it has in the past. I think for a variety of reasons. One is we didn't get to go at the end. So we missed the sort of like wrapping out of everyone. It just feels like it happened very far away. Yeah. But also, I mean, it feels like we just started. I mean, we shot 13 episodes of television in a very short period of time. Yes, we did just start. That's why it feels that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was both very long and very short. <laughs> and it's funny because last year was by leaps and bounds the most challenging season of television we've ever done from a writing standpoint. But from a producing standpoint, this year was so much harder. Like, definitely the hardest season of TV that we have done. Yes. And it, you just, you know, we've talked about it. The cascading array of catastrophes yes. <laughs> that happened this season that, like, I mean, never happened. So I'm glad that's done. Yeah. And I feel so bad for our cast and crew. I mean, they really, they deserve, like, medals for hunkering down and getting through yes. this one. <laughs> yes, and Sarah, it's funny because, coincidentally, I just finished a book called Leave the Gun, Take the Cannoli by Mark Seal, which is about the making of The Godfather, which is an excellent book for anybody who's a fan of The Godfather. But it talks about how The Godfather was plagued with issues from before it even started. I mean, it was just everything was a battle. Everything was a fight. I mean, to the point that they had to, like, you know, make a deal with the mob to even have Teamsters. I mean, oh, wow. it, it was really challenged. And it, obviously, we are not the godfather. <laughs> but it was comforting just to hear about all the hell that they went through. And you go, you know, it's just sometimes productions are like that. But what I will say is I think our season is excellent. I'm super proud of all of the episodes. 
so it was definitely worth it. But yeah, I mean, as we've said, if we ever do a, quote, normal show again, it will seem like we're on vacation. It really will. And we have to mention, Sarah, Mark Grossan, our line producer, who really was a rock star. I mean, he came through for us in such a big way. He was the person who was ultimately responsible for getting all of this stuff shot. And he did, and everything looks excellent. And we finished on the day that we planned to finish on, which we didn't know if that would happen. And he sent pictures of our sets being taken apart to store. And it was it was very emotional to see, wasn't it? Was. It was, yeah. No, we obviously we've talked about how we shoot on location like the vast majority of the time, but we have Rourke's office, which is, you know, which we built on the beach, and we have our dock where the plane, you know, lands and everybody gets on and off and so, like, seeing those things taken apart and packed up, it was like, wow. But, yes. I mean, the good news is they're not getting tossed. They're getting no, saved right. for season three. Yes. So they're so, still there. <laughs> yes. So we, I am manifesting season three. I think it's going to happen. I don't know for sure, but I am, I'm assuming there's a season three. Yes. Season three all the way. Okay. Coming up, we have two listener questions, but first this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, it's time for two listener questions from the mailroom. First, we have a question from Laura. She wrote, it might be a little too big for the Ask Us Anything episode, but how did you both transition mindset-wise from creatives and career-oriented women to creatives and career-oriented women with babies? I'm pregnant with my first and will be an older mom at 36. I'm a photographer and editor and have only recently started establishing myself in this field in the last few years. And while I definitely chose this time to have a baby and they're very much wanted, it's sometimes hard to see how I keep up career momentum and that identity part of myself once they arrive. You two are inspirations to me being women who have incredible careers and also a loving and happy family life. So any thoughts will be gratefully listened to. Oh, that's so nice. I, Violet would be like, oh, her rump. She yeah. sucks at this. <laughs> <sighs> I don't think I suck at it, though. I no, have to say. you're phenomenal. <laughs> Sarah, I think the big thing that we did when we had babies was start having boundaries about how late we would stay at work. 
Yeah. Because we are people who, we've had periods in our life where we would stay at work till 11 p.m. every single day. 11 p.m. sounds early. Yes, yeah. or later. And then once we had babies, we both just agreed we weren't going to do those shows anymore. We just, right. that it didn't work for us anymore. And so we really make it clear that that's not how we operate. Now, of course, for instance, now that we have Fantasy Island, we may be working at 11 p.m., but that means we would have been had dinner, gone the bedtime, and then done some work later if necessary. Yeah. I think what's been hard about the last couple of years when work and life have essentially yes. merged is that it's so much harder to create those boundaries. Like my yes. office is in my house and my phone and my iPad are my connection to my job and they're also omnipresent. So yes. the boundaries are harder to to maintain, which is, is why true. I think Violet would be like, you know, yeah, she's know always working. Yeah. She's always like, put down your phone. Um, but here's my advice. I think there's so much out there about so-called mom guilt. Yeah. And I think it's just absurd. Why should you feel guilty for wanting to have a career? Like just reject mom guilt. You don't need to feel guilty for wanting to have a career. You don't need to feel guilty for being ambitious. Like, you can still be you, and your husband, should you have one, or partner, doesn't feel guilty for having a career. I mean, I just, I reject this notion of mom guilt. When I reject the notion of perfection, I, like, there are times when it's going to be really hard to be the perfect mom that you want to be and the perfect professional that you want to be. And that's fine. Like we have to go, yeah. this is where my attention is right now. This is where my attention is this other time. And that's okay. And then the other thing, Liz, I think we have done very successfully is ask for help when we need it. Mm. Like we know that we can't do everything. So we bring people into our lives who can help with things, you know, yes. whether that's my stepmom coming to live with us during the worst of the pandemic, or we both have awesome nannies, yes. like we bring people in and that makes it more manageable. Yeah. But it is hard, especially when you have little kids, because it's just physically demanding. I mean, so yeah. you're exhausted because you're working at work. And then as everyone says, when you get home, you're still working. Although she's a photographer, so she's used to lugging around a lot of well, stuff. Well, that's true. She <laughs> might have good upper body strength. Yeah. <laughs> so the advantage of starting older, if 36 is considered older, um, is that you are further along. So hopefully you have a little more flexibility. And of course, the disadvantage is you maybe don't have as much energy. But to me, 36 is still extremely young. So... Laura, I think you should just go forward and do your thing and everything will work out. Yeah. Just assume it'll be okay, even though there'll be some hideous moments. <laughs> but they will be far outweighed by the great moments. Yes. <laughs> and congratulations. Yeah. Okay, this next question is from Margo. Margo, you know, Sarah is my favorite name. I know. She says, I am a documentary film producer and I often need to give notes to our editor or director. I would love to be known as someone who gives great notes, but I don't know if I do. How can I give awesome notes? Are there certain criteria that I should follow? This is a great question. We talk a lot about both getting notes and giving notes. And 
editing in specific is, you know, a certain kind of note giving. Although in a lot of ways, Sarah, I do think it crosses over with giving notes on scripts. Yeah. So it was interesting, Margo, when we were reading this email and we actually were on a Zoom with one of our editors going over episode 10. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we brought it up with him. Um, so this is some advice from George Pilkinton, who is a phenomenal editor. We worked with him on Angel and, and we're working with him on Fantasy Island this year. So we just said, George, what do you think of this? <laughs> Yeah, he said, if you have something specific, that's great. So he said, if you want to say, can you cut from a close on this person to a close on the other person and then go wide and then go to the two shot, he's like, that's great. But he said, if the problem with a scene is you don't feel the way you want to feel, tell him how you feel watching it now and how you want to feel. So for instance, it could be right now, I'm feeling disconnected from these characters. And this is for a documentary as well, from these people. I want to feel their pain, or I want to feel the tension of the moment. And then it kind of reminds me, Sarah, of what we call the note behind the note. Yeah. It's like, sometimes we get a note that we're like, what does this mean? But then you go, oh, there's a note behind the note. And usually it is an emotional feeling or clarity. It's usually one of the two. Emotion and clarity above all else, as Joss yes. says. And so I think that is like the key, is telling them how they want to feel. Because a lot of times if editors know that, then they can go in and make changes and make it work for you. Yes. And the good news is a wide variety of notes can be very effective. Like, there's no one way to give notes. We try to start big and go small. Like, we don't give, like, usually a close-up here and, a, you know, those kinds of notes on the first pass. On the first pass, we give more general notes. Like, let's tighten this scene. Let's make this pacier. We want to be more in this character's point of view. The feeling note, Let's. we want to feel this more. We want to have more humor, you know. We give more general notes and performance notes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's another thing. And this wouldn't be the same in documentary, but we'll give notes about like this performance seems a little grumpy. We'd like it to seem funnier, you know, right. so that they can go through and look for specific performances. And then once we get into the second pass, the third pass, then we'll get more specific. And then she also mentioned like, how do you give a director notes? One thing we do, which is super helpful, is we pre-note in the tone meeting. In a tone meeting, which I don't know if we've talked about, Sarah, is where we sit down with the director, usually one or two days before shooting starts. We do this on every episode, and we go through the script page by page and talk about what we're looking for in each scene and the turns of the scene. And that's where we sort of, it's like we're giving notes before anything's been shot so that hopefully we get what we want. Yes. And then there are on-set notes, which probably you would be dealing with more in documentaries, which are really just conversations. Like, they tend to come in the form of suggestions or questions or tilt one direction or the other. Like, we'd love to get a little more spunk out of this performance. Or mm -hmm. are they seeming high energy enough? <laughs> You know, right. <laughs> which means they don't seem high energy yeah. enough. And then on occasion, it will be like, we want to make sure we get this shot 
or this angle. But usually it's more about performance at that point. My overall suggestion would be also to start with positive. So if you're giving around, I mean, I know that sounds obvious, but it's amazing how many people don't do that. So whoever you're giving notes to, writer, director, editor, actor, whoever it is, start with like, hey, I love this. This is working great. Love the music you've put in, whatever it is. And then go into here's how I think this could be better. And people usually tend, including us, take notes much better when they've been um, sort of set up with the honey, right? Um, So I would advise that. I actually saw this. um, I think it was Noah Evslin who does the Screaming Into the Hollywood Abyss podcast. On Twitter, he said he uses the Oreo approach, Mm. which is Start with good stuff, then put the notes in the middle, then end with good stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah. At the end, (laughs) say, like, this is going to be such a great episode. And let me just say, uh, for anyone giving notes, the technique of starting with thanks for this or thanks for the work you put in on this is a signal that you hate it. So if don't think you're fooling anyone with that note. Yes. No, start with, like oh, there's so much amazing stuff in here. We think this episode is going to be so great. The pace is so fun. The blah, blah, you know, whatever. Whatever the good things are, layer those on first. (laughs) Then get to that creamy center that no one really likes, but you have to eat anyway. Wait, that's the best part. (laughs) All right, coming up, I have a couple hits and Sarah has a bomb. But first, this break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for Hits and Bombs because Hollywood is all about big hits and big bombs. And we will start this week with your bomb. Yes, I have to give a bomb to the guy at the Disneyland Hotel Pool who was wearing an NRA t-shirt with guns all over it. Now, this is not a shirt I would be a fan of (laughs) anytime or anywhere, but walking around the Disneyland pool especially less than a month after a school shooting where two teachers and 19 children, just like the children in those pools, were killed with one of the guns on his shirts uh, and also, like, had just been used to kill 10 people at a supermarket in Buffalo. Uh, It's just not the right energy to bring anywhere, but certainly to Disneyland. Yes, it's very aggressive. Um, and he was probably trying to get a reaction. Yes. Um, so bomb to you, dude, in your shirt. (laughs) Well, Sarah, totally switching gears. Yes. I have a hit for two TV shows. Okay. Um, one is quite serious and the other is very fun and delightful. Okay. I'm going to shake off my rage while you talk about these. (laughs) So my first hit is for a show called The Deep End, which is about a self-help guru named Teal Swan. It's from Freeform, um, but you can watch it on Hulu. And it's described as a look inside the world of one of today's most controversial spiritual teachers and her dedicated followers. And it is just an absolutely fascinating look into what I will call a cult. Um, Part of the question is, is it a cult? Is it not a cult? Um, I will say there's a lot of discussion of suicide. So if that's not something anybody wants to hear about, don't watch this. 
But it's just absolutely fascinating that this woman allowed cameras in seemingly absolutely no holds barred. So if that's subject matter you find interesting, these sort of big personalities that draw people to them and why are they drawn and you will love the deep end, which I absolutely loved. Now, for something delightful for all of you (laughs) Vanessa Bayer fans, you and I love Vanessa Bayer. She was from SNL. She has a show called I Love That For You, which is on Showtime. Let me just read the description. Inspired by true events, this hilarious new comedy follows childhood leukemia survivor Joanna Gold, Vanessa Bayer, as she chases her lifelong dream of becoming a home shopping channel host. Shedding her cancer girl label, she moves away from her parents, starts a budding romance, and befriends her idol, Molly Shannon, who we also love, um, the charismatic star of the network. But when a little white lie to her boss turns into a big snowy avalanche, she finds that living the dream comes with a hefty price tag. So for anyone who's interested in QVC and that world, which I absolutely find fascinating, you will love this show. And which also features heavily in Hacks, I have to say. Yes, it does. Um, And I love it. I can't get enough of the QVC and the behind the scenes of QVC. So um, this is just a show that makes you feel good. All right. That's next on my queue. You will enjoy it. Right now I'm watching Barry, but then I will be watching I Love That For You. Good. Okay, Liz, it is time for this week's Hollywood Hack. And this is a true Hollywood hack. It comes from the set where lots of people many years ago were telling us to get Hoka's, which is a brand of sneakers and also sandals that are so good for your feet. And I would see script supervisors wearing them and be like, what are those? Because they have like really thick heels Mm -hmm. and people would recommend them. I finally got a pair, but now they seem like they're getting to be a thing. Like everybody's starting to get hocus. They are awesome. I just want to say they live up to the hype. Yeah, and I will say, Sarah, because this is all about getting shoes that like help your feet stay in good shape when you have to, you know, walk a lot or stand a lot as we do when we're on set. Yes. I actually got Sauconies, which are similar. And what it's all about, I have learned because I actually went to a podiatrist, (laughs) is that it's all about having structure and support. So my podiatrist was telling me that there's a big trend towards shoes that are really light like, and don't weigh anything because people feel like, oh, this will be comfortable because it's so light. But she says that's a big mistake in, you know, running shoes or shoes that you want to like walk around a lot in, that you really want something that you can't bend and you have, you can't twist. And that is true for Hoka's and Sauconies as well. I tried on both and the Sauconies worked better for me. Now I want to mention, this is not an age thing. This is just a comfortable feet thing. This is if you want your feet to last thing. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And I just want to mention for everyone in LA, in case you don't know, there's a great store called Roadrunner. I've been to a few of these stores that like supposedly tell you what shoes are good for you. And I find Roadrunner to be the best. Nice. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. 
Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Fain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. So Sarah, was Disneyland so fun, aside from the guy in the (laughs) t-shirt? It was. It was really fun. It was uncomfortably crowded. I don't didn't think that through very well, but it was we had such a great time. And part of that, I have to say, is because I wore my hokas. Like Mm. those shoes are amazing. That's awesome. From the Onward Project.